All right, Bearcats, welcome back to another episode of The Breakdown. Hope you guys are having a great start to your spring. Um, Today, Zaina and I are joined by a very special guest, April Martini. Uh, April is an avid podcaster herself as a co-host of Marketing Smarts, a podcast dedicated to cutting through confusing marketing BS to understand how to take action and to change one's business. Alongside her co-host, Ann Candido, they run their own marketing consulting firm, Forthright People. Uh, Before that, she had founded her own marketing agency, Threadly, a brand and marketing company. With an MBA in marketing from UC, as well as a bachelor's in design, April comes in as possibly one of the most experienced guests yet, and is an incredibly interesting individual. We really hope you enjoy this episode, and it's happening right now on The Breakdown. All right, Bearcats, welcome back to another episode of The Breakdown. April Martini is joining me and Zaina. Um... April, how are you doing today? I'm doing it, right? It's just like every other Wednesday. Yeah. Trucking along. <laughs> <laughs> We're so excited to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course. Uh, we just wanted to start off by letting you give us a little bit of an introduction, talk about mm-hmm. your businesses, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I can totally do that. So my background is traditionally in branding and advertising to start out. So I'm actually a two-time grad of University of Cincinnati, DAP at UC with graphic design, and then the Lindner College of Business for my MBA in marketing. And from there, I've always spent my time on the agency side of the world. So different agencies within Cincinnati, Dayton, different offices all over the world. So I've had lots of different treks throughout my career. But after 15 years being within different agencies, I actually ended up deciding to start my own thing. So as you noted, I read the intro. Uh, so I know you talked about a little bit about that in there, but I started my own thing with Threadly, which was meant to be an alternate agency option for folks. So the idea behind that was a lot of clients, especially small mid-sized businesses and entrepreneurs for sure, can't afford big agency help, but they need it. And so after spending all that time with agencies and working on those big clients, I really had a desire to provide something different to the marketplace. And so that was kind of my first foray. And after a year and a half of that, I realized, all right, we've tackled this. Now what's next? And so as things happen, you put them out into the universe. The universe comes back. And I met my business partner, Anne, through, she likes to say the five degrees of Kevin Bacon. So someone that she knew (laughs) brought her to his wife and then the wife happened to know an old colleague of mine and eventually we made it to each other and so we developed forthright people gosh i guess it's been almost exactly two years ago now that we formalized that and what we offer there is still all the same stuff that i talked about from an agency perspective but now we have a much more comprehensive suite of offerings that includes things like communication strategy and pr which is ann's background she also spent 20 years at Procter & Gamble, so we're able to provide the agency and client perspectives right in the room, with our, which our clients find extraordinarily valuable. And then also, we have a podcast called Marketing Smarts, which, you know, check that out. That's my little <laughs> plug there for that. Um, and so that actually leads to a lot of new business for us. So the way that our business has changed and morphed as a result of the podcast is we now have a model called Coach Train Do. And what that means is we can provide all the typical agency communication PR services if you just want somebody to do it for you. 
We also have a hybrid model where we can do the heavy lifting on certain parts and then train your team to do it themselves after that. Or we have coaching, which is completely hands-off from a doing perspective on our side. And we teach people how to successfully manage their companies, their business, their teams, whatever that might look like, and can equip them with those tools. So that's really, you know, very long-winded of me there, I realize. But that's an intro to us, to forthright people, and to the podcast. Great. That's that's really awesome information. Um, and I have a sort of bouncing off that question. Absolutely. Uh, um, so when you wanted to start Threadly, um, you know, there's there's a part of I think every entrepreneur's mindset um, when they have this switch of <laughs> a really big idea and a thing that I want to do. Yep. Um, and then it's the self belief to make it come true. Yep. Um, and and to send it per se. Yep. Um, for you. What was your thought processing before you made that switch? What was that switch like and, and how did that go for you? Yeah, for sure. So I would say I knew pretty early on in my career, probably I would say call it the first three to five years, that I eventually wanted to run something. Now, I wouldn't say that it manifested at that point as I want to start my own company. I think back then it was I want to get to the top. I want to be the CEO, you know, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. And so I think for a long time, my vision was more toward finding an agency where there would be an opportunity for that, where there wasn't legacy or family or it was so large that it wasn't going to be possible. And the very last agency I stopped at was Curiosity Advertising. And I had that in my mind at the time because the two partners um, had been running the company, oh gosh, I don't know, seven or eight years maybe at that point. And they were sort of trying to decide what they wanted to do next. And so my vision for a few years was to go and do that. But you, you talk about the switch and it is so interesting when it happens. I just started to feel more and more like if I was going to stay at an agency, it was going to be that one. Mm -hmm. And and it just continued to feel like it wasn't the right fit. And I couldn't work out in my mind what really was happening until I came to the realization after I had built their strategy team that, okay, I did that. Now I could do this on my own. And that was really the impetus for the decision. I had been asked several times over my career by other folks that were going out on their own to either partner or you could be the strategy arm, I'll be the creative arm, those types of opportunities. And I always considered it, but I always came back to not being quite ready. And so, I mean, I can remember the exact moment and where I was in the agency when it occurred to me that this was the time. And then from there, the clock just started running. And so it became, all right, now I'm on the runway. How am I going to get there? And what's it going to take to get there? So. Wow, that's awesome. Awesome. And so since you do have your own business, what is your advice for kind of creating your own brand? And as like young marketers, are there specific first steps that you would recommend? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so one of the big things that we talk about right now as far as our company goes across all that coach train do, that whole model, is personal branding. And so how do you develop a brand for yourself? So we have, I mean, probably half a dozen-ish podcast episodes that address this at some angle and lots of different worksheets by which to do that. But my advice when it comes to this is you really have to be very intentional about your personal brand. And I think people at first get a little uncomfortable or they kind of give us a funny look when we talk about it this way. But then we start to get into, you know, well, brands are living, breathing things too, and they're managed by people. And so why wouldn't you want to have a handle on how you're showing up? And so our, the way that Ann and I really talk about it and give an actionable framework by which people can build or 
identify their personal brand is we talk first about characteristics. So these are things that are inherent to you as a person that you just have within you that you cannot change, right? So I always say, I'm outgoing and I'm stubborn. And those are just two aspects of my personality that are never gonna change. But I can proactively manage those. So the next three things we go into are appearance, which is how you show up and people automatically think that means like physically, how do I show up? But it's also like, what's your presence in the room and how do you articulate yourself and do you show up on time? Are you always frazzled when you're walking in? Those types of things. And this gets into what you can really manage, which is your behaviors and actions. So if you can really strongly identify your characteristics and who you are as a person, and then identify how you're showing up and how you want to show up through the appearance, your behaviors and actions are those things that you do, right? So if I'm historically late, it's behavior. The action is I always look frazzled or I come in huffing and puffing at every meeting, right? So those are the things that you can say, okay, I know this about myself. Now I'm going to go and change that. And when you are able to build all of this together, you can then start proactively managing how you want to show up. So if I know that I'm stubborn, one of the things that I do is I try to listen first and react second. And that's been a practice that I really put into place for my behaviors and actions because I've historically been known to be a little bit aggressive as a result of that stubbornness, right? So you can kind of see how this starts to come to life. But I think the biggest thing of all is to identify what your personal brand is and then make a plan for how you're going to show up to people because the whole thing about brand is consistency mm -hmm. and so you want people to start to interpret or expect how you're going to show up and then you want to pay that off and so then that starts to build strength of character and people can can get used to you and want to know more from you all the same things we feel about brands when we build that affinity that's really interesting, and I like how you are connecting, um, you know, your personal, I wouldn't say downfalls, but, you know, personal, you know, maybe downfalls. And, and weaknesses. Yeah, yeah, weaknesses and how you can uh, prop them up to be actual strengths if you just work on them. And I think that's uh, something that a lot of people miss and uh, is a great way to market yourself as well. Um, going sort of further in that direction, sure. um, when you started to develop your own brand um, and started with all this web development and creating your portfolio for um, your your business what is like some things that you learned what are some like tips and tricks for for starting out that you really um, figured out yeah so once you have the brown the, once you have the brand foundation rather articulated then you can go in and start to build those items more intentionally. And what it does is it gives you a lens by which to create. So I think the mistake that's often made is people don't do the hard work around their personal brand before they go and make the things. Mm. And this is true of the branding world in total. It's not just people. It's, it's all of that. People get excited, right? They want the execution. They want a new website. They want their business cards. They want their flyers. You know, they want to be out there. But what we say is if you, if you take the time to intentionally build that personal brand, then you can start to make choices not only on which of those things you need, but also then how they should look and feel and sound and all of those types of things. So my first thing is you have to have your personal brand before you ever do any of that stuff. Sure. And then when it comes to creating the things, what we always talk about with our clients is pick the things that are really going to work the hardest for you. Don't feel like you have to create everything under the sun. And that's the practice we took with our business too. So it was like, 
okay, at first, Ann and I didn't necessarily have a full-blown website, right? We just started out with a landing page, for example, and we were really choiceful about what we displayed there so that people could get to know us, but we also wanted it to have a little more of a startup feel because we wanted people to know that we were just starting out, so we didn't have full content to build that entire website. Over the course of the past couple of years, we invested to do a higher-end website with lots of pages. We hired someone to do it for us. And the reason we did that is because we needed a space to direct people to once we did the podcast. We also have all these materials and the podcast on the website. Mm -hmm. And then things like case studies and all that usual stuff in the About Us. So as people are listening to the podcast, they have somewhere to go back to to check on us. We always say the first thing people do is Google you, right? So you need some sort of web presence to show up for people. And now, actually, after the full two years, we've done enough exploratory that we're doing a really full-blown website. So we've hired an entire team of people. We're going to have like an online marketplace on there. But as you can see, you, you kind of have to do things at the scale with which you're at mm -hmm. and not necessarily try to do it full blown because I think then it shows up as a misinterpretation of yourself, right? If we had started out and acted like we were big players and we were just getting started, I think people would sense that inconsistency, if you will. And so I think really making those decisions and then the scale with which to do them is hugely important. And then I also think not just taking a cookie cutter approach to these things, because that's what you're doing. If you do the hard work for your personal brand, then you have stuff to share that's unique to you. And so stepping outside of the box of thinking that you have to have things because other people have them or you know, other groups are developing these things or whatever that looks like, you don't have to be like everybody else. So whatever you put out, communication-wise should be reflective of your skills and talents, leverage those to the best ability, and not burn you out in the process of putting them together because you're going to have to do whatever day job you have or those other things. Right. Right. The scale thing is something really interesting that I never really thought about because that's definitely a way to make sure that you're coming across as authentic because I feel like if you're blowing yourself up too big, you yep. lose kind of trust a little bit yeah. and and it's super easy as young marketers to just be like i want to do this this and this uh -huh. to express that like i'm this big and yeah. we're our, we know we really do have it figured out and we can show it so i love that i love yeah. that advice yeah and then even the thing of having like, um okay so to pivot we have a lot of young listeners that listen to ama sure. or this podcast um and so we wanted to ask if you had anything that you wish you knew coming out of uc Sure. So I think in general, coming out of college, one of the hardest things I think for young folks to really embrace and want to do is networking. And I think that the assumption and what it was for me is that, well, I'm new. Why would they want to spend the time with me? And the higher up you go, I think that becomes even more of something that you worry about. Right. And so I always tell people to reach out to anyone and don't necessarily expect that they're gonna definitely say yes and don't get your feelings hurt if they don't, but don't be afraid to do it because all of us were there at one point or another. And those of us that really feel like we have to give back because others helped us, th that is one way we can do that. So one of the agencies I worked at, the owner never turned down any meeting if someone asked him, right? And so that wasn't something he broadcasted, but we all knew that. and so. There is no harm in asking. It's super important. I mean, I resisted for a long time the notion that it's not what you know, it's who you know. But unfortunately, that's 1,000% the truth. Mm -hmm. And when I look back on my career, 
every move I made was, or every door that was opened was because of someone that I knew along the way. And then of course I had to prove myself and all of that, right? But those connections are hugely, hugely important. And now that we have our podcast, I'm so thankful that I've kept all of those connections over the years because a lot of those folks become our guests. Mm-hmm. And they also refer us business. And, you know, Cincinnati, Ohio, where we are, is a small town. The branding and advertising and agency world is also small. Everybody knows everybody. Mm-hmm. And so For along sure. with the networking, it's, it's cultivating those relationships, but it's also not burning any bridges. And I know that's something that everybody says, but I think it's even more important here. And when I think about where I am now and all the people that are supporting both forthright people and marketing smarts, it's because... I cultivated those relationships. And I, if I had known that even sooner, I have to think that the network would be even broader. Yeah, for sure. That's incredible advice. Um, something that we need to do more of. <laughs> um, so you just started talking about the podcast. So mm-hmm. um, in its early stages, what was the thinking and what was the design behind it? And, and what has been your greatest challenge um, in, in creating, you know, such a high professional, um, really well-crafted podcast. Again, please go check it out. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you first for saying that. Um, but so the manifestation of it was really interesting because similarly to how I felt like I was looking for something with Anne, once we got together, we were also, I think looking collectively for something that we could do on a broader scale to help others. So she left Procter and Gamble and I left the agency world because we wanted to help small mid-sized businesses and entrepreneurs. Right. And so we were, we kept thinking about like, well, how do, how do we make this so that because there's only two of us, a broader scale of people can be part of us. And then also hopefully we're a business. Right. So we thought that was a really good channel to drum up business. So early, early on, and did several podcasts when she, she was on her own for about a year before we initially met. Mm-hmm. And so part of her track was to get interviews with folks. And so she actually introduced me to doing podcasts and I started being on others. And then we actually did one together. And the guy that hosted that came back to us and said, you know, I think you guys have something interesting. First of all, you're two women in business together. Second of all, you have the agency corporate dynamic. And of all things, and this has come back repeatedly to us, that we're easy to listen to. And I was like, well, that's a funny thing to say, but okay. (laughs) It's true. Um, but, (laughs) But so with all that feedback, he wanted us to start a show on this thing that he was trying to build. So mm-hmm. his idea was to build like the Netflix of podcasting. So like the best, the best and the searchability and all of that kind of stuff. And so Ann and I were like, well, wow, that's flattering. And that could be an easy way to get into this, you know? But the more we talked about it, I was like, you know, it's a great offer, but if we're really going to do this, I don't want to do it on somebody else's. Like both of us got into this to be creators. Mm-hmm. And so that's hugely important to both of us. And so we were like, what's holding us back from doing our own? And so then the conversation quickly shifted. We declined the offer and we're like, all right, we're actually going to go and do this thing. And so then it became, do we pay someone to produce it and go to that level? Do we hire someone remote that can do it for us for cheaper? Do we try to do it ourselves? And so eventually we decided, again, if we were going to go for it, we were going to go for it. And so we hired a producer and we still work with them. It's Gwen Sound. They're amazing. They're here in Cincinnati, Ohio. We love those guys. Um, And so once we got to that point, 
and we made the commitment, we actually did a good amount of research on why podcasts fail because we wanted to understand what the challenges are associated with building a successful podcast. And the number one thing that always came back was consistency of content. Where a lot of people, it's a flash in the pan situation, they start one or they do a handful or whatever, but there isn't consistency, Mm -hmm. or they do it for a period of time and then they're like, we're not getting the traction that we want, so we're out of this, right? And so we were like, all right, well, what's the right cadence? And luckily our producer produces other podcasts, right? So they were able to give us some coaching on that. And I think we were a little nervous at the beginning to like say we were going to do one episode a week, but they were very, very, very consistent across this group in total of saying you have to, because you have to have that consistency in order for people to know when you're going to release things Mm -hmm. and what that's going to look like. And so we now, I think it's our 74th episode that just dropped. So for 74 weeks in a row, we have released a podcast. However, right on the heels of that was what was going to be the right cadence for us to put that content together. More research. Who else does podcasts? How did they do it? And so what we decided was we were going to do two afternoons in the studio back to back and record four episodes. And then our process was built around that. Mm. So the way it works for us is we do, um, there's a Tuesday and Wednesday a month. We record from, we hold two to five, and it's an hour plus episode. We do two at a time. And then the cadence becomes the next week. We review those. We both review every single episode because we think it's hugely important to the quality. I'm listening for big picture stuff. Anne loves to do the nitty gritty editing, so bless her. (laughs) Um, So then that week becomes that, and we're editing back and forth with the team. And then the next week we start to brainstorm topics again. Then we write the episodes. Then we're back in studio. So it builds a really good cadence, and it actually is a lot of efficiency for us. And we've had the question a lot of times, so I'm just going to proactively address it of, yeah, but come on, that much content? I mean, they're hour-plus episodes, and how do you do that and all that? And I think for us, we have no shortage of ideas on content and guests and what we want to talk about. That's not a problem for us. What would be stressful for me, especially, and for Anne, is if we were trying to go down to the studio once a week, every single week, and then knowing that we have to get it right in order for it to launch the next week, right? Mm. Just way too much that way. So I think, I mean, tips and tricks, those are kind of the things, and then just that consistency of content. And the last thing I will say is guess, right? Because then you automatically have a bigger audience. You have two people or two groups pushing it out there. Mm-hmm. And so pretty consistently when we have a guest on, our numbers are not quite double, but I would say close to that when we have another group working on behalf. So right. ours triple. good (laughs) yeah Yeah. that's definitely good advice for brad and i we do like the week by week thing and since we're both students and i think we're both fairly busy we have a hard time with that consistency because and like we're coming up we we'll plan ahead at like the beginning of the semester but we still like come up with ideas on the fly of like things we might think might work better and so we don't have that like consistency nailed down but I've heard that advice a lot so that's a good little reminder for us too um and kind of going off of that Brad and I had talked about last semester the advantages that podcasts give you just in like the communication realm and mm. especially with like the interview format which you guys follow as well um we wanted to ask how were you at the start of your career with people skills and communicating mm. and how has having a podcast maybe helped that if it has 
Yeah, so first of all, you wouldn't believe how many people get nervous when you have them as guests on the show if they're not regular podcasters, Mm -hmm. right? We notice a a huge gap. So I'll answer directly your question, but I mean, I think that I don't even know the value that it's provided for my ability in communicating because I'm so used to it now versus watching folks that come on and they haven't done any before and how jarring it is and how nervous they get. And we, we constantly say things like, it's not live, it's not, you know, but still there's those nerves. Yeah. And I also think the ability to talk for that amount of time can be a challenge as well. Mm-hmm. So backing up to answer your question from the beginning, I've always been more outgoing and I've always been more of a people person. And God bless my mom. I know you don't think I'm going to talk about my mom on this episode, but you know, <laughs> who just told me that the way to get through life was in the ability to talk to anybody. If you can talk to anybody, you're going to be successful no matter what you decide you're going to do. And so that's always been in my head. And I've always loved public speaking. I like standing up in front of people. I like giving presentations. I think it's hard when you're a student because you don't inherently have those skills yet. Uh, And I was lucky enough that as part of the agency world, we have to do that, right, to be successful. So if I hadn't gotten good at that, I, I probably wouldn't have stayed in that industry. Yeah. Um, so I would say I've always enjoyed that aspect of things, but as far as what the podcast has done for me, I think it allows me to be able to talk long form about pretty much anything. And because we are intentionally developing and talking about this content, my library of things to pull from now is enormous. And so we use our podcast really transparently as a sales tool because part of our industry is you have to do lots of RFPs, right? So people want you to fill out this giant form of why you should get this work. Sometimes they even want you to do some work as a test. That is so time consuming. And then you're one out of however many are bidding for that. Right. So we've actually made the decision now that we don't do that anymore. We won't do RFPs. We say, you want to know how we would approach this? Go listen to episode whatever on this topic because that will show you how it would be one to work with us, how we would approach the work. And then you can vet us through that by listening in. And so that has been really good for our selling ability. Um, I'm super proud. We actually just became international because we have someone that reached out from Australia that wants to hire us to do this work for him. So that's that's the the reach, right? That's the possibility. Man, that's awesome. And I love how it's like so formed in a way where you can go back to your podcast and be like hey we already have this figured out you're almost reimagining the way to um you know uh brand or Mm -hmm. to really display yourself as a company um man blown away by your conversation (laughs) um and so we just have one more serious question for you oh before Um, i have to go do the secret one (laughs) yeah all right we'll see how good i am at this communication (laughs) um So we do have a lot of freshmen in the American Marketing Association, a lot of young people who are looking to just figure out their lives, really, really confused about who they are and what they're going through. If you could think back to freshman year, April, what is some (laughs) life... (laughs) (laughs) What are some life advice or what is some of your biggest uh, takeaways you've had in your career um, since coming to UC? Okay, this is a big one. It is. So the, the one thing, the one piece of advice that I give, and I, maybe this is less freshman focused and more first job focused, but mm-hmm. always take your vacation. It is something that I talk about consistently, and we do coaching with other universities and things as well. And my point about this is that 
and I, I was this, I was the hard charger. I was the one that was always what's next and what's next in my career and what's next in my career as a student and what am I gonna do? I mean, halfway through DAP, I knew that I no longer wanted to be a designer and I wanted to do the business side and I couldn't wait to get to business school, right? So I think that the idea of taking your vacation is that you shouldn't sacrifice your life while you're trying to figure all this stuff out. So as a student, right, you take that super seriously. That's a big freaking deal. College is so expensive now. And so there's a lot of pressure and I used to put a lot of pressure on myself about that. And so there were plenty of years when I would be at agencies and I'd be on vacation, but I would still be working or, you know, I let vacation go and I thought it was so great to get paid out at the end of the year instead of taking it. But I think that time away is just so invaluable. And I think you have to find that no matter where you are in life, right? So finding space, finding things that you really enjoy, making sure that you're taking care of yourself. I mean, in COVID, that was such a huge thing, right? Like for me, I suffered so tremendously because I get so much energy out of being with people. That damn scream was never enough for me, right? I, I wanted hear to you. physically be there with them. <laughs> and so I think if you, you know, we talked personal branding earlier, and I think a component of that is really knowing yourself, but then also there's the taking care of yourself piece. And so I think as a friend, Freshman, you know, it can be hard. I remember how overwhelming it was to like eat right and not stay yeah. up too late and manage my school load and being in DAP. I mean, that was so much pressure. I mean, we had a huge workload comparatively because it kind of never stopped, right? There was yeah. right. there was no end in sight when we were doing all of our creating. And so I think you have to handle yourself with a little bit of grace and be self-aware that you're in the situation that you're in and that it is tough and that's okay and you have to make sure that you take the time out when you need it because i think if you don't you just burn out no matter what you're trying to achieve you reach those points and so when i look back whether it's being a freshman whether it's my first job whether it's the job i had where i thought it was so awesome that i was traveling the world and then i realized i never saw anyone that i loved anymore like there's just so many points of that where i'm like because i was such a like go 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 the pauses have always been so hard for me. And mm -hmm. so I think it's just the earlier that you can build those habits for yourself, the better off you are. And when you're a freshman, right, this is a whole new territory in life. And so that's a place to start setting those habits, those, those best practices for yourself so that you can continue that through life. Right. And I think that also just goes back to like stepping away helps you be your best self. Even like me as a person that gets my energy from people, mm -hmm. like the alone time is like, something that you need yeah, yeah. to recharge and yep. so just in any aspect stepping away helps you be your best so I yep. think that's a really great piece of advice um but now we're gonna pivot and go oh, into no. our all lightning right. round Let's see how this goes <laughs> this is our favorite all part. right I'm ready all right um Brad I think you're going first to April yep so, so I got five questions for you oh man is this like a like a off rapid the top fire? yep yeah. off the top, okay. of, the top of the head, head. shoo okay all right you ready ready Number one, what is to you the most fascinating part of your hometown? Oh, man. So I, uh, I think I resisted. My hometown is in Cincinnati, Ohio. I think that I resisted a long time that people are so connected here. Yeah. But I actually, the, the most fascinating thing is traveling and meeting other people that are from Cincinnati and mm. just like the serendipitous nature of running into them. <laughs> and that, that like automatic connection because you're both from there. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, you. I run into people everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. It is weird. Um, okay, beach, mountain, or forest? Uh, so historically beach. I We grew up on beaches. On Every vacation was a beach. 
but I have built a real affinity for forest mm -hmm. and have really, especially with COVID and everything and those timeouts that I talked about, going to woods for some getaway over the course of the year has been huge for me over the past, call it half a dozen years or so. Yeah. Awesome. What, who is your favorite author? Ooh. Okay. So this one, <laughs> I actually, I don't know that I necessarily have a favorite and what I, what I'm going to say, because I know I'm supposed to answer the question, <laughs> but, um, favorite for me is a really hard thing Absolutely. especially when it comes to literature because i read such a breadth of things mm -hmm. so like for example melinda lee is a is a thriller writer and my escape are like crime drama like figuring it out alongside i love puzzles like that so like i would say her for that but then if you think about different genres i always have a different favorite and because i'm so broad in what i love to read i don't i can't necessarily say that gotcha right yeah. If you were a dog, what <laughs> dog breed would you be? <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> um, okay, so probably a beagle because oh. my spirit animal is for sure a dog. Mm. But um, the two dogs that I have personally had of my own, beagle mix and a boxer. I would love to aspire to be that boxer. <laughs> I would love if my brain would turn off and I could just be in the moment and love life that much and be so happy just to see my people, even if I just took out the trash. <laughs> but I'm not that. I was definitely more the beagle and she was sassy as all get out. Really like too smart for her own good. And you could see her mood all over her face. Mm. And so whether that's beagle or that was just Toby, that dog, it was definitely me as an animal, yeah. for sure. <laughs> gotcha. That's a fun answer. I like that. <laughs> Last one for you. If you could instantly learn any language, which one would you French, choose? 100%. French, 100%. I uh, took it in high school, never got good at it. Me too. Uh, we went to Paris and... Um, um, Oh my gosh, I'm totally blanking. Anyway, we were in France and I was so mad at myself that I couldn't do any anything. And then over COVID, I actually tried one of the apps to learn and did it consistently for about six months. Wow. But I think if you can't be there, you never really mm -hmm. learn it. Gotta yeah. practice it. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. Thanks so much. Yeah. Now you get the honor of asking Zaina. Oh. <laughs> All right, Zaina. If you could eliminate one thing from your daily routine, what would it be and why? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I think my screen time in the morning, I like tried to set a limit on my phone, but you can just hit more. So like I just like even screen time in the morning or screen time before I go to bed. I really want to, I'm yep. used to be a big reader, but I have not gotten back into it since high school. So maybe I can swap that out soon. The distraction. Yeah. yeah. I feel you. <laughs> if you could buy any car right now, what would you buy? Ooh, I'm not a big car person. Um, my parents want to get me, uh, like, help me get a car soon, so I've been thinking about it, but I think just something basic, like, either a Honda Civic or, Reliable. like, a Honda CRV. I'm not, like, super into super fancy, but just, like, a car that works. <laughs> they last a long time. Yeah. So that's pretty smart. <laughs> All right. Do you have a personal theme song? I'm so glad you guys did not ask me this one. I would have an answer. <laughs> Ooh, a theme song. Um new girl like i don't know if you guys mm -hmm. watch new girl the mm -hmm. theme song for jessica day i just feel like she's so fun and happy and like i wish i was more like jessica day and i feel like i have a little part of her in me so oh, i feel like do. that one <laughs> thank you all right i'm impressed i couldn't answer that one. <laughs> who is the greatest cook you know 
my mom and she hates cooking but she's just so good at it um so i'm really really bad so hopefully i learn from her one day through osmosis <laughs> yeah. that's what i'm hoping for <laughs> all right what's your go-to productivity trick or the best way to zone in Ooh, um i like to time chunk like i get really distracted easily because i always have a bunch to do so while i'm doing something i think about something else mm -hmm. i could be doing and i'm not fully zoned in so i try to like do little blocks of time um and also being outside of my room like if i'm at liner i try to stay here and that forces me to like do stuff because i can't just like lay around here uh-huh yep. <laughs> very so, smart time yeah. chunking is a huge skill especially now the yeah. world being so distracted for sure all right, your turn. Perfect. That Brad. was fun. <laughs> All right, let me get these up. Okay, Brad, if you could live anywhere, where would it be? Uh, London, England. Mm, oh, love it there too. That's fun. Um, what was your favorite family vacation? Um, the first time we went to Big Sky, Montana. Ooh, I've never been. I haven't been there either, but it's on my list. Yeah. Legendary place. <laughs> oh, it's different. A way different world. What was your favorite food when you were a child? Beef stroganoff. My mother. No, really? Right. Yeah, my mom <laughs> hates it. Hates making it. But me and my brothers are like obsessed with it. And not even like a like the gourmet when you actually like have yeah. the tender beef. Like yeah. The, I want the hamburger and I want the noodles and just like the sour cream mix in there and just eat <laughs> <That's> it. <so> <laughs> I was obsessed with it as a kid. You could make that in your dorm room. Right? I know, I do, I do. <laughs> um, what chore do you absolutely hate doing? Um, cleaning the bathroom is just like not yeah, fun, but never. it's gotta get done. Someone's gotta do it. So Oof. that one. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Last one. Um, what habit do you think has improved your life? exercise by a mm -hmm. by a thousand folds yeah. yeah i always i feel like half my answers are exercise but yeah um yeah for sure better for mental health sleep physical health all those yeah. things yep. so Good way to get, get out yep yeah and it's my reset time going yeah. back to your i look i think i think of it as therapy honestly yep. yeah so I, running I, is my <laughs> yes i love to run and i hit the bag and then like oh my gosh if people try to talk to me at the gym i'm like please yeah this is my, my zen time I know. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> all right well awesome. that will conclude the lightning round for this uh episode april we want to thank you so much for taking the time yeah. on this wednesday evening three room changes people three successful <laughs> room changes um on this podcast so she was really uh helpful in being uh Flexible. considerate and yeah. flexible for all good. us thank you <laughs> all good uh so april real quickly would you mind telling them again where they can find you sure. and uh, best ways to reach out yeah of course so i would love to chat with anybody um i mean we we really don't turn down many calls or meetings so would love to hear from anyone really directly you can get me at april at forthright-people.com it's my email address i'm on linkedin companies on linkedin the website is forthright-people.com. And then again, Marketing Smarts is the podcast. So there's one done by, by professors. That is not us. Find the other one by Ann Candido and April Martini. And you can also link directly from our website. All right. Thanks so much, Bearcats. Have a great rest of your week.